And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. I don't know what that was. I hit the button to start the stream. And then it looked like it kind of buffered a little bit. And then I looked and it wasn't it wasn't streaming. And I don't know why. I got all the way through the title sequence and I was like, why are why aren't we going anywhere? I don't know. It's a conspiracy. It's a Stone Martin weasels are back. Oh, anyway, all right, we're we're back. It looks like we're we're live, <laughs> at least for now. Oh boy, I don't know. Welcome everybody. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. I'm the editor here at Sci-Fi for Me, and it's Thursday. It's Groundhog Day. Have we have we seen? Did the did the groundhog see his shadow? Are we gonna get more winter? I I haven't seen anything yet. So, um, six more weeks of winter. Death Angel Shadow says, you know, if it's winter like today, I'm okay. If it's winter like we had on Sunday when I was at the Chiefs game, not so much. Speaking of winter, uh, we've got we've got a little bit here some some winter happening in the in the industry. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Want to give a shout out to everybody who's listening to this as a podcast. Uh, saw some saw some numbers from the Republic of the Congo, which kind of surprised me, but it's good to see. And if you are listening to us as a podcast. Uh, we do invite you to check out the video, the live video, over on YouTube and Odyssey uh, on occasion, because sometimes we'll have some some visual things, whatnot. Uh, doesn't translate to radio all that well, but we do want you to uh, to check that out. And also, uh, the live video gives you a chance to participate in the live chat so you can have uh, have your thoughts right there in the middle of the conversation for everything. If you're here by Memorex, if you're in replay, you can still leave a comment. Uh, you can always send us an email with your feedback live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com and do join our Discord. It's a very lively active chat sometimes over there. So uh, so check that out. We do have a Discord link <clears throat> and yeah, we could discuss the weather. We could discuss uh, the DC Studio stuff that got announced uh, Tuesday. Uh, all sorts of stuff that's going on. You know, tabletop RPG stuff. Lots of things, and uh, we could even talk about some follow-up uh, information. Uh, I don't know if anybody saw, <coughs> excuse me, saw this or not. Um, I'm not quite sure what to think about this. This is a follow-up to the G4 stuff. ClownfishTV.com, uh, Peter Pischke has an interview with Froskerin, with Indiana Froskerin Black, 
And this turns everything on its head. <clears throat> if Frusk is to be believed, uh, I have not watched the video interview yet, but I have read the article, and it basically reframes the entire situation with G4 TV. Not just Frosk, but everything happening with the new G4 TV. It's an interesting article. And if Frosk is to be believed, she's a little bit less culpable in all of this mess than we initially uh, assumed. So I would recommend uh, reading this. It's clownfishtv.com. And um, I, I'm going to watch the video. I'm reserve judgment until I watch the video, the interview. Uh, but Pischke was one of the one of the critics of Frost, and he admits, and he's like, you know, I I thought she was the one right there in the heart of everything, and it turns out maybe not. So that's uh, that's something to check out as well. Um, I want to I want to take a minute because I saw a couple of things. <coughs> I want to I want to I want to I this this bugs me a little bit um, because we have this word here Queen, uh, Queen Mickey Mickey Ariyama posting on Twitter two more local comic shops and a video game arcade shut down in our area. I had a chance to talk to the owner on the last day. He said these comics pointing at DC and Marvel are not selling. We should have sold manga sooner, but we waited too long. And that's the story for a lot of comic book shops. DC and Marvel not selling very well. And will the new DC Studios lineup help with that? We talked about this on H2O uh, Tuesday night, where you know there's an opportunity here that if DC is smart... <coughs> And if they are smart, um, I'm not going to assume, but if they're smart, there's an opportunity here for when they start rolling out all of this new DC Studios material, they can also roll out some comic book stuff that ties in with it that gets people into the comic book shops, gets people into reading the graphic novels and the floppies and whatnot, and maybe expands the marketplace there. But they have to be good stories. And if James Gunn and Peter Safran are focused on getting the screenplays right before anything goes into production, maybe, maybe. <coughs> and Death Angel said maybe when they fire Ezra. I, I, I don't have any information, and I have not seen anything in any article anywhere that says that Ezra Miller is still part of this. We have the Flash movie, which was way too far into into the pipeline to scrap, given its budget. And when James Gunn makes his his announcement, he kind of glosses over all of the existing stuff that's already in the pipeline that was there before he got there. And he says, you know, we got Shazam 2 coming up, we got the Flash... And he made a point of saying the Flash is going to reset the entire universe. I don't think Ezra Miller continues past the Flash. Ezra Miller's done. And Peter Safran even said Ezra Miller <coughs> is focused on mental health recovery right now. You know, put the kibosh on anything saying 
you know, Ezra Miller's continuing. Uh, he had an opportunity to sit there on Monday and say, yeah, we're we're fully behind Ezra. We're going to keep him. And he didn't. So everybody assuming that Ezra Miller's going to stay there, there's nothing to support that yet. So, you know, there's there's these general uh, these general. Yeah, we're open to people coming, you know, Jason Momoa and Gal Gadot and stuff. Nobody's talking about Ezra Miller staying as Flash. I just want to point that out. Now, he could, but there's nobody saying that he's going to right yet. And I think the mental health thing is a good way that Warner Brothers cuts ties. He's got to focus on his mental health. He's got to do all that and think. And yeah, I know Gunn said the Flash movie is amazing, and he could be. I don't know. It could be. It could be the most amazing superhero movie we've had in five years. We don't know. There's no way to know until we see it. <coughs> I don't know. And if it is amazing, it could be amazing for reasons other than Ezra Miller's performance. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not I, and I'm not I'm not assuming one way or the other. I don't care. I, I yeah, maybe I'll go see I'll, I'll go see The Flash because I'm trying to be the responsible media professional here. I'll go see The Flash and tell you what I think about it. But I don't know. I mean, if they're doing Flashpoint I don't think Barry Allen die. Barry Allen doesn't die in Flashpoint, does he? I mean, you've got you could do that. You could kill him off. I don't know that you'd do that though, because it it eliminates the possibility that you get Barry Allen coming back. Well, it 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 makes it more of a challenge. But you notice in all of the James Gunn stuff, we have no mention of Aquaman moving past Aquaman two. There's no mention of Aquaman at all. There's no mention of the Justice League at all. So, I don't know. It's too soon to tell. We are going to get a, a, a Flash trailer during the Super Bowl. <coughs> We're also going to get a, a trailer for Ant-Man during the Super Bowl. I'll say that like the narrator of narrator of Super Friends, Super Bowl. So we got uh, we got bookstores dying, comic book shops dying, except not everywhere. Uh, we're going to talk about that here in a minute. Yeah, he does mention the authority, and the authority is coming here. It's it's that's an interesting choice. That's an interesting choice. And you also consider, too, that the whole overarching, you know, there's this broader story that connects everything together kind of in the in the background of this. So I'm wondering what this is going to do. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Keaton, Keaton could still play Bruce Wayne in a Batman Beyond. That's not outside the realm of possibility. But... 
the fact that they're bringing back the Elseworlds brand, the Elseworlds label, opens up all sorts of possibilities for what kinds of stories they could tell. Because, they could, yeah, sure, would do this mainline continuity of the DC universe. But Elseworlds could give us Red Sun, Speeding Bullets. It can give us all sorts of stories outside the continuity and still doesn't have anything to do with affecting the continuity. Best of both worlds? Maybe. A confusing, muddled mix? Maybe. I don't know. <coughs> we'll see. All right, so I want to start with this clip from Star Trek, and I'll probably get dinged, but here, here I want to, I want to, I want to start with this. Uh, where we go here? What's the matter? Don't you like folks? Oh, I like them fine, but a computer takes less space. <laughs> a computer, huh? A computer. I got one of these in my office. Contains all the precedents, a synthesis of all the great legal decisions written throughout time. <laughs> I never use it. I like. Samuel T. Cogley. I am of a kindred spirit with Samuel T. Cogley. Let me just say that right Why away. Why not? I've got my own system. Books, young man. Books, thousands of them. If time wasn't so important, I'd show you something. My library. Thousands of books. What would be the point? This is where the law is. Not in that homogenized, pasteurized, synthesized. Do you want to know the law? The ancient concepts in their own language? Learn the intent of the men who wrote them, from Moses to the tribunal of Alpha Three books. So it's interesting <clears throat> that they mention Moses here. And I want to go back because last night I had the opportunity to uh, to to uh, be a guest on Kerry Smith's Popped Culture with Mystery Chris. And we were talking about uh, Christianity and in entertainment and Hollywood and, and stuff. And some, you know, a point that I was not able, I didn't get an opportunity to make last night. It didn't come up. But in Star Trek, I'm struck by how many times there are Christian references in, in the original series. Um, we we're we're watching through. We're in season two right now of the original series, and we watched Who Mourns for Adonis the other night where the crew meets Apollo. And Apollo mentions, you know, once we were all your gods. You know, we had we we were we were the gods on your on your planet. And a throwaway line that Kirk says, and I had missed it before to, before this weekend. Kirk says, "No, we're we're satisfied with the one." Indicating one god, right? A monotheistic faith structure. And I thought, that's, that's interesting, because I had never caught that line before. This idea of God being the, you know, we're, we're fine with God. Now, there are other references. If you go to uh, Bread and Circuses, the one with the Roman Empire uh, analog, you know, they go through this whole thing about sun worshippers throughout the entire episode. And the sun worshippers are kind of the rebellion against the Roman Empire, right? And... At the end, they reveal 
Ahura has been monitoring the the communications and the transmissions and all that stuff through the through the entire episode. It's just no. Then they're not working. They're not worried about. The, they're not worshiping the sun, the star that their planet orbits. They're worshiping the sun, the son of God. And Kirk says, "You know, Caesar and Christ. They had them both." And then you've got this reference to Moses, and I thought that's that's really interesting. That you have that. They're just throwaway lines. Nobody makes any big deal out of them. This is there. So, but yeah, to, but yeah, pop culture. Uh, there's a link in the in the show notes uh, for my appearance as a guest. I was very happy to be on there. It was a great conversation. And uh, I want to thank Carrie Smith for having me on. We're going to do some other stuff um, here in the future. I'm looking forward to that. But uh, go check that out. It's a two-and-a-half-hour video, but it was a great conversation, so uh, so go check that out. All right, <coughs> so books. Books, young man, books. What are we going to talk about? I have goals, ladies and gentlemen, and I don't know that uh, I want to show Mrs. Boss to this, but I have goals. <laughs> are you ready? Are you ready for this? You're going to see this. All right, so in Der Spiegel, which is a, a German magazine, there's an article about a mining engineer who recently passed away and left behind a library. And this library is rather impressive because there are 70,000 books in this library. Now, this is his attic, this photograph. And as you can see here, he has figured out, you know, being an engineer, he's put bookshelves in the ceiling. Bookshelves in the ceiling, ladies and gentlemen. 70,000 books. Bruno Schrader died of old age in the middle of the night. An employee of a mobile care team found the 88-year-old lying on the tiled floor in the hallway of a small house in Mintigan, north of Rhine-Westphalia, early in the morning. A sad and yet quiet normal death, but the legacy that the retired mining engineer leaves behind is likely to be unique. Schrader collected around 70,000 books in the course of his life across different genres, sections, and levels. This goes far beyond the inventory of the average library or shop and also exceeds legendary private collections such as that of the Italian best-selling author Umberto Eco, who called around 33,000 works his own. Nobody knows why Schrader hoarded so many books. <clears throat> it was probably only about reading to a limited extent because no working person can handle more than an average of two or three works a week. Anyone who manages to do more than 10,000 in the course of an 80-year life hardly has time for other activities, but 70,000. Look at these. Look at these. Look at, look at these pictures. Shelves everywhere. The entire, the entire house is a bookcase. Are you seeing this, Mrs. Boss? Are you looking at these photographs? Because I'm, I'm, I'm seeing goals here. I'm seeing goals. 
You'll notice a cassette player in there in the shelf, but he's got a little reading nook here. He's got all of these, all of these. I mean, there's books everywhere. I'm just picturing you and Critical Blast. There's drawers. <laughs> there's yes. books in yes. the drawers. There's books in the drawers. I tell you, this is this is this this is goals here, folks. This is what I want to do, uh, and I got to figure out how to do it. You got the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, we've got the ceiling. Well, <laughs> and there are spaces in the ha- in the in in there are spaces in the building uh, where I don't have bookcases yet. So you know that yet. So I mean. You look over here because this is this is the space behind the H two O set. There's a bookcase there, and you can see behind uh, behind over here. Uh, you see the bookcases there, and you see a stack of books over here. And there's there's uh, there's stuff behind me. You see those bookcases over there. Those two bookcases over there are Star Trek. And well, that doesn't even go on to the that doesn't even go on to the other side where we've got bookshelves over there and we actually you're talking about on the other side of the wall on the other side of the wall and not only that we have cylinder blocks that have the little crevices in them (laughs) that we've taken old shelves that don't go anywhere pieces of wood and slipped them in there so that i mean they're not a lot of space but you can put books in different you know lay them down or something like that yeah uh, and that doesn't even include the totes of books that we have that have been separated because we've read these ones and reviewed them. We have not read these ones and reviewed them. Yeah. And, oh, that doesn't even go to the rest of the house. <laughs> well, the other more. The other part of that, too, is the fact that we have um, we have plans, the retirement plans, and I'm still trying to convince Mrs. Boss of this, the retirement plans are to have a used bookstore with a coffee bar in it. <coughs> Very much like the one that RJ and I found down in, in Northwest Arkansas. Um and I was talking to Paul Newton about it, and I did a I did an interview on his podcast uh, Tuesday. Uh, Paul G uh, wants to know Paul G's corner, and he was telling me. And I think, do you remember the name of that bookstore where we found down there in Arkansas, Mrs. Boss? Do you remember the name of that bookstore? Because I don't remember. I don't know that I ever even looked. But uh, he was telling me about, uh, Paul was telling me about a bookstore down in in that area. And it might have been the same one. But, yeah, it was was one of those things where you just walk in and it's like, oh, there's all the books. There's all the books. What? Oh, Prospero's? Yeah, Prospero's is a very impressive book. It's called Prospero's Books. (coughs) And it's a very impressive uh, facility as well. Uh, but the older I get, the more I'm convinced that we need, not necessarily Mrs. Boss and I, we, but we as a culture, we need to make sure we preserve our literature in physical form. It is very important because, and I'll tell you why, we we talked about this last night on, on Pop Culture. We talked about it in a couple of other places here where 
the people what are making our entertainment right now, they're making the movies, they're making the TV shows, <clears throat> they don't have a literary background that informs good storytelling, I don't think. They've they've grown up watching movies and TV, and that, that's what informs... They're recycling movies and TV. They're not going back to classic literature. You know, The Canterbury Tales, uh, Great Expectations, Tale of Two Cities, uh, um, um, uh, The Last of the Mohicans, in, in, any of that stuff. Moby Dick, Robin Hood... Uh, um, the Return of the King, or, or any, any of the Tolkien stuff. <coughs> but, you know, King Arthur and and Merlin and, you know, there's so much. And not just in science fiction. I mean, you've got Heinlein and Sturgeon and, and Clark and Asimov and Bradbury and McCaffrey and Le Guin. Yeah, all of these people, you know, Vonda McIntyre and A.C. Christman, it, just, just the science fiction alone would be a massive library, but also you have all of this classic literature. And it's just like Cogley says, you know, it's homogenized, pasteurized, it's electronicized, you put it into the computer, you could lose all of that. And it could, it could be any number of reasons why. I downloaded some stuff to my Kindle, I ended up having a, having a snafu and... and and getting a different account mixed up in whatever, and I lost the stuff that I downloaded. Gone. Because I can't access that account anymore. You know, Jeremy Hambly at the quartering, there's a bunch of different stuff that he downloaded and he paid for for Magic the Gathering, and then they banned him, and, and his account was locked off. He doesn't have any access to the stuff he paid for anymore. Servers crash. Hard drives crash. Gone. But physical books, physical books, physical books, things what you can hold in your hand, this, this, this doesn't go anywhere unless it gets caught in a flood or a fire or you loan it out and somebody doesn't give it back. <clears throat> but we have to preserve our books. We have to preserve our literature. <coughs> Death Angel says, says uh, there's a, a chain of used bookstores in Tennessee called McKay's. Uh, some D&D stuff. Uh, huge buildings packed full of used books. Electronic engineering books. Wow. Okay. And, and old tech. Commodore 64. Atari 2600. Cool. That's very cool. Uh, but, it, you know, it's not just... What's that? It links their website to two locations. And Once Upon a Time. Once Upon a Time. You're putting a link. Where do you put a link? It's in the live chat. It's in the live chat. I don't see it. Death Angel Shadow was talking about the old tech, the, the, the Commodore 64s and all that stuff, and I'm like, whoa. No, I don't see it at all. You're not showing up. Oh wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. I got my I got my chat sitting in the wrong place. I got you. I got you. I got you. I still don't see it though. Huh. <clears throat> anyway, any. But yeah, I think I think it's really important that we have these 
books physically. And it could be... The collapse of civilization. You know, that, you know, we get into a Hunger Games situation where we don't have computers very much anymore. There, there's, there's that. But I think it's important also to just understand that computers need to have their place, and their place needs to be less of a priority than what it is now. Uh, Christopher Hoffman says a similar argument could be made of physical media, especially when it comes to films. Absolutely. DVDs, Blu-rays, I mean, whatever whatever physical media you get. And it's the same kind of thing. You get a bunch of stuff that you download, and whatever reason, it could be a technical snafu, it could be a website going away, like we see what happened with Comixology. I mean, Comixology still exists, but the original Comixology is gone. It got folded into this Amazon thing, and it's a mess. And they're firing people. They're laying off people. Who's to say that at some point, you know, Comixology is not a moneymaker. The whole thing just goes away. And what happens if they scrap Comixology? What happens to all of the comic books, the digital comic books that you bought through Comixology? Do you still have them? Or do somehow they auto-delete because the service is gone? <coughs> Books, young man. Now, to that end, you, you've got a lot of used bookstores and you know, half-price books and, and rainy day books here in Kansas City and you know, a lot of different things. But also there are bookstores that have new books. A little place called Barnes & Noble. And... I thought it was very interesting to see that Barnes and Noble is making a comeback. Here's the Deseret News. Now this is this is January 30th. That's this that's 2 days ago. Is Barnes and Noble making a comeback? Uh this is the Deseret News. Uh, Jolly Punya, the, uh, the author of this. After over a decade of struggle, Barnes & Noble has been turning a new leaf. The bookstore retailer opened 16 new stores last year and made promises to open 30 more in 2023. The revamp began nearly four years ago when Elliott Management, a hedge fund, took the New York-based book company private for approximately $683 million. At the time, the national chain had lost the battle against Amazon.com, which started as an online book marketplace, as the Associated Press reported. A new CEO, James Daunt, was put in charge, picking apart the establishment in its 627 stores. But as Fast Company reported, the publishing industry is now rooting for this underdog corporation, which was once the villain of the story. I don't remember Barnes & Noble ever being the villain of the story. Or the underdog. Now, they were certainly hurting because Amazon came in and just kind of wiped the floor with them. <clears throat> so, let's see. We'll go through here. Uh, by 1987, Barnes & Noble had 797 locations, the second largest bookseller. Uh, and they were sometimes accused of bullying mom-and-pop booksellers out of business. Now, I do, I do remember some of that. Um, but... The bookstores 
The bookstores that survived are the used bookstores. Barnes & Noble didn't sell used books. So there was a, there was a, a little bit of a differentiation there. But <coughs> now we have Barnes & Noble coming back. Uh, no one expected Amazon to emerge and become the common enemy. Offering bigger discounts and a near-infinite selection of books made it a tough competitor. Amazon remained firmly in control until Daunt, a former banker, stepped in with a new vision for Barnes & Noble. Daunt founded Daunt Books in 1990. The six-store chain in London led him to become the managing director of Waterstones, a big box book retailer in the United Kingdom. He was even credited with saving it. When taking over as CEO of Barnes & Noble in 2019, the businessman was clear on taking cues from the success of Waterstones. I think at one point, Waterstones bought Barnes & Noble, didn't they? I was thinking that they had done that. <clears throat> now, what's interesting in all of this is what some people are crediting as why Barnes & Noble is coming back as strongly as they are. Matt Twain, good, good to see you here. Have a great day. Have fun at work. <sighs> work. Anyway, all right. <clears throat> when taking over as CEO of Barnes & Noble, the businessman was clear on taking cues from the success of Waterstones. Daunt wanted to tailor each store to the local market, as the Associated Press reported at the time. Uh, quote, in chain bookselling, you need to try and get the best store for each location, Daunt said. What works in Jacksonville, Florida, isn't necessarily going to work in Hawaii. Since then, he has given local store managers more say, ended promotions of publisher-pushed books that take up prime spots, and cleaned up the selection in stock. Per Axios, he even used pandemic lockdowns as a time to remodel and reorganize. So... Then we have this in the Los Angeles Times. Uh, this is a headline uh, column, Barnes & Noble saved itself by putting books first. Imagine that. This is Michael Hiltzik, uh, February 1st. So all of this is coming out just now about Barnes & Noble resurging and, and coming back and, and, and taking, taking some, you know, success. <coughs> it wasn't so long ago that Barnes & Noble seemed to be on the glide path to extinction. At the end of 2018, the giant bookselling chain reported its seventh quarterly loss in a row. Red Ink of $27.3 million on sales of $117.2 million. Its management was in turmoil. That summer, Barnes & Noble fired its fourth chief executive in four years. Over the past decade, it has closed 98 stores, shrinking its retail footprint to 630 locations from 728. The company, now 106 years old. Did anybody know that Barnes & Noble was around that long? I didn't. Uh, the company was facing what seemed to be inexorable competition from the e-commerce behemoth Amazon.com and a shift among readers to ebooks from physical books, but its ventures to compete head on with Amazon by bringing out a Kindle like ebook reader called Nook and selling books online from its website have never amounted to much. All right, so we've got Elliott Management buying the thing. They put James Daunt in as CEO. That's, that's all kind of the same kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> let's see here. 
Barnes & Noble, this is Daunt talking, uh, talking by phone for, for the interview. Barnes & Noble was suffering a remorseless erosion of book sales as they put more and more things that weren't books into their stores, which weren't selling. Since then, we've changed the balance of product within our stores and focused dramatically more on books. Imagine that. The result, he says, has been a nice and healthy increase in overall sales driven by a significant increase in book sales. Daunt evicted a ton of completely irrelevant products that occupied the store shelves, batteries, electronic chargers, water. <clears throat> a ton of products you'd find in a CVS or Target where they, perf they, they perfectly sensibly sell you everything you need for everyday life, but which made absolutely no sense in a bookstore. What's left are books, of course, plus some music CDs and movie DVDs, educational toys, puzzles, board games, and paper goods, such as journals, notebooks, and greeting cards. We concentrated on things that support the core book offer and which a book buyer would intuitively think should be in a bookstore, including anything to do with writing. So imagine a bookstore that concentrates on selling books. <clears throat> Books, young man. Books. <coughs> they even have some Bibles in, in, in these bookstores. So you've got sales turning around for Barnes & Noble, which is good. Which is very good. And maybe something there, a lesson can be learned for the comic books the comic book shops. Because comic book shops, I say, I say that, maybe, I don't know, because I think the comic book shops are pretty much done. Um, re real Wade Nation, Wade, oh, Real Wade Nation Gaming Clips. Hi, hey, good to see you. I have seen that, I don't know that I've seen that name in here before. Good to have you with us. Hopefully you stick around. Everybody stick around, please. All right, so comic book shops do a lot of selling of Funko Pops. And as we saw with, with Mickey's post, a lot of them are now dependent on sales of things other than comic books. Because Marvel and DC, like I said, Marvel and DC aren't selling. IDW is not selling. So what do you do? How do you turn that around? Uh, one of the comic book shops we've got here sells record albums as well. You've got some Funko Pops in there, but mostly it's back issues. A lot of back catalog stuff. And I think that's where your comic book shops are going to... If, if, they, if they concentrate on comics... Yes, Green Apples comic book shops have to sell manga and collectibles to stay around. I think I think graphic novels has got to be in there. The omnibus stuff has to be in there. If you're going to sell collectibles, you do the statues and the and the whatnots, and and that's fine. Funko Pops, okay, whatever. But if you're a comic book shop, then you should be selling comic books, and you should at the at at the very least once a month, once every quarter. You should be having comic book creators in your shop do some kind of an event, do some kind of a promotional thing, you know, have have creators in your shop to meet the meet people. Do some tie-ins of some promotion or something with the movie theater when the, when a superhero movie comes out. Put a kiosk in the lobby of the movie theater. 
And yeah, manga has to be there as well. But this diversification of product doesn't always work. And it's not always the best thing. Uh, this, this article here, this is The Honest Broker, Ted Gioia. Uh, this is December 28th. This is, this is a couple of this is this is a few weeks ago. I've written too many negative stories about digital media platforms in recent months. I've started to worry. Am I turning into Dr. Doom and Mr. Gloom? In all fairness, my predictions have proven sadly accurate. After I served up these dismal forecasts for Facebook, Spotify, Netflix, and others, their share prices took a steep dive. I'm not sure that's a good thing. I'd like to see digital media improve and flourish. When they falter, we all pay a price. But each of these companies is now suffering for a good reason. Their dominance led to arrogance, and they decided to impose all sorts of heavy-handed policies on users. I finally have good news to share. I have a positive case study, and we can learn from it. Here's the surprise. This company has been a failure at digital media and has succeeded by embracing the most antiquated technology of all of them, the printed book. This is quite an achievement. So let's look at the turnaround at Barnes & Noble. <clears throat> he says, at first glance, this makes no sense. All the cool and up-to-date technologies are in financial trouble. Tesla share prices collapsed. Crypto is in decline. Netflix stock has dropped more than 50% in the last year. Facebook is in free fall. Thank goodness. Even TikTok might be in trouble. And nothing of value was lost. But Barnes & Noble is flourishing. After a long decline, the company is profitable and growing again. Last week announced plans to open 30 new stores. In some instances... They are taking over locations where Amazon tried and failed to operate bookstores, brick-and-mortar stuff. You remember Amazon was trying to do this. So I want to go through here just skimming. I mean, Nook sales just, just collapsed. <clears throat> but we go through here, and, and they're putting all of this stuff on James Daunt. They're, they're attributing the turnaround to this one guy. Uh, after taking over Waterstones, he, uh, he stopped all the buy two books and get one free promotions. He had a simple explanation for this. When you give something away for free, it devalues it. Maybe we should start doing some member streams. You know, we do everything for free here. Does that does that devalue what we do? I don't know. You should join. You should join and become a member, and and let's see if that adds some value to it. <laughs> Uh, the most amazing thing Daunt did at Waterstones, now this is when he was, where he was before Barnes & Noble, he refused to take any promotional money from publishers. Uh, Daunt had a reason. Publishers give you promotional money in exchange for purchase commitments and prominent placement, but once you take the cash, you've made your deal with the devil. You must now put stacks of the promoted books in the most visible parts of the store and sell them like they're the holy script of some new cure-all creed. Those promoted books are the first things you see when you walk by the window. They welcome you when you step inside the front door. They wink at you again next to the checkout counter. Leaked emails show ridiculous deals. Publishers give discounts and thousands of dollars in marketing support, but the store must buy a boatload of copies, even if the book sucks and demand is weak and push them as, as aggressively as possible. Now, you remember in the information that came out <clears throat> talking about the... Uh, 
the merger, the proposed merger between Simon and Schuster and and uh, Random House, right? And and the government put the kibosh on it because monopoly. But the information that came out there is all of these best-selling books, all these New York Times bestsellers, twelve to fifteen copies being sold. Where you and and this makes absolute sense. Where you have these publishers that are saying, you know, sell all these books. Make this deal, but you got to buy a hundred copies, or you got to buy a thousand copies. You got to do this. Things start to make a little bit more sense now. <clears throat> Death Angel Shadows is one of the most disappointing things. When I would go to a comic book shop, I couldn't find any third-party uh, RPG. Mostly, they had a D and D section, Warhammer Forty Thousand section, and little else. Uh, I've made it a point whenever I'm in another city to check out the local comics and game shops. And let's see here. Uh, MS and Death Angel, you guys could do a stream. Why not? Anybody can stream. You guys figure out a topic and, and put a stream together. Why not? <clears throat> Might be interesting. You never know. <coughs> what? Take over bunker. Take, no, I, well, I mean... I'm always open to guest hosts here, so uh, Death Angel says I was thinking about Tabletop Tuesdays. You know, we've been talking about doing some stuff over on our Twitch streams with gaming. Oh, member member stream stuff? <laughs> oh, 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 I get it, yes, because MS and Death Angel Shadow are the only members right now that we've got. We have two two members, and it's MS and Death Angel Shadow. We could do a members only stream, and it'd just be them. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. <clears throat> we need more paid members, I guess. <clears throat> Not to diminish the two that we have. All right. So, uh, in this, uh, continuing here, this is James Daunt's superpower. He loves books. Uh, he says, staff are now in control of their own shops. Hopefully they're enjoying their work more. They're creating something very different in each store. Uh, this crazy strategy proved so successful at Waterstones, the returns fell almost to zero. 97% of the books placed on the shelves were purchased by customers. That's an amazing figure in the book business. And you have, you have uh, an example with... Borders books, and Tim Harvey's talked about this because he worked for Borders. And the the beginning of the decline of Borders came when you had people put in charge of Borders that were not book people. They were retail people, but they'd come from other categories of retail. They weren't book people. And I think you're going to see that same kind of thing. We see the same kind of thing happening over at Wizards of the Coast, where you've got Microsoft people and you got video game people now in charge of tabletop RPG product, and they don't think that it's monetized enough, which means subscriptions and microtransactions are on the way. Yeah, they can deny it all they want, but we know it's coming. Because insiders inside, people inside Wizards of the Coast have confirmed that's part of the plan. When you have people in charge that don't understand the product that you sell, when you have people in charge that don't understand the service you provide, then you're not going to be in business very much longer. 
So this is this is good. But see, if this guy can turn around Barnes and Noble and we get a number of different people realizing, hey, bookstores are good, physical media is good. That's a that's a win. That's a win for us bibliophiles. That's a win for us. Now, see, here's what's going to happen. Is you're going to get companies who realize that the bookstores are turning around. And you're going to have stores like, I don't want to say Ikea, but you're going to have, have stores uh, start selling more bookshelves, more bookcases. Home Depot is going to sell more wood for people to build bookcases. I, you know what we need, Mrs. Boss? <clears throat> you know, we talked about we're going, to, we're going to put a pocket door right over there. You know what we need to do over there instead? Uh, one of those, one of those secret doors. What is it, the Mur- the Murphy door? What's the? Is that what it's called? I don't know. The secret door? Because we don't have any place here for a secret door. I want a secret door. I want a door. That's, you know, behind the bookshelf. Here's the rest of the of the place. I I want I want a bigger on the inside door. Is it a Murphy door? I keep seeing ads for it on Facebook, and we need to we need we need a door. Death Angel said, "Did I ever tell you I worked for Software Etc. at one point, which was inside of B Dalton Books?" Oh, I remember Software Etc. B Dalton, yeah, B Dalton. See, and back in the day, that's what it was. It was it was Walden Books and B Dalton Booksellers, and those two those two things. And then, and then Barnes and Noble came along, and Borders came along, and Walden Books was the first one to fall. And then B. Dalton was right behind it, and then Borders died, and and Barnes and Noble was all we got left. And half price books. <coughs> but our our plan here, and I've kind of got Mrs. Boss on board with it because over the weekend we started talking about. Because when when we went down when we went down to Arkansas, we found that bookstore. Uh, one of the things that I've been talking about doing is getting more classic literature, not just science fiction. Yeah, books a million is still around, I do believe. But we started talking about getting getting classic literature to have in the library. Is and I've, books a million still around? Uh, I think so. Yeah. You talk about Wizards of the Coast. That's where I used to go to. Play magic I think days of the week. Yeah, I think I think books a million is still around. I know there was one out in the legends area, but you know, it's it's is it now is it now called Bam? Is it really? That's funny. Um, I was also going to say it wasn't so much that we went to that bookstore. You showed me that Facebook post or was it Instagram? I don't know somewhere where the basement had bookshelves set up like a library almost where oh yeah you could walk around the shelf itself it wasn't up against a wall so like islands yeah Yeah. i could totally see doing that we could do that we could do that well uh, we got a we got a couple of places we could do it we don't have a whole lot of room for that but we could do i was telling i was telling mindy the other day i was like one of the one of the challenges that we have at the house is the fact that we got so many windows you can't put bookcases up against the windows but you can put plants now we do have a couple of open bookshelves, and I guess you could put those in front of the windows. 
but yeah, it's it's a challenge. It's a challenge. So um, so yeah, books are coming back, and it's good that books are coming back. Uh, but yeah, we were talking about adding some more classic literature to the library, and I was like, okay, well, where do we put it? Well, here's a shelf over here, and here's this little space over here, and here's this little nook over here, and here's this space over here. By the time I get done, don't tell Mrs. Boss this, but by the time <laughs> I get done, there will be books all over. You can put books on your side of the bed. I will put and books sleep on the couch. I will put books everywhere I can manage to put books. I will stack them. I will shelve them. I will I will have them all over the place. And I need to find my cookbooks, but I will have books everywhere. And some DVDs. And some VHS tapes. And some record albums. But there, there's, there's still room on the walls for bookcases. <laughs> and maybe, maybe we'll insulate the garage and put a book, uh, put put a light, a little library out there too. We get another shed. Yep, yeah, we can we can get another shed, and the and and the shed can be all library. <laughs> Uh, Death Angel said, when you and Mrs. Boss come and visit Tennessee, I hope to have my basement finished and complete with my library and tavern. That'll be fun to go see. <coughs> All right. So, go buy books. Go buy old books. Go buy used books. Go buy books published in 1894. Go buy books. Get get the physical copies of the books. Don't 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 go down this rabbit hole of of electronic, homogenized, computerized mess that can be deleted. Because at some point, you're also going to be running into the whole social media purity test. We don't like what you posted. We're going to lock off access to the stuff you downloaded. We're not going to let you read these books. We're not going to let you read these comic books. We're not going to let you watch these movies until you delete that post. That's coming. They really, really, really want that to happen. Have it in your hands. Buy the physical media. All right. That's it today. Speaking of social media, we are on a number of different platforms. Uh, so connect with us there. We've got a subscribe star account. I don't do anything with it. I should. The Discord is up, and we've got links in the chat. And we've got links. We got links to all of this stuff in the in the show notes. So uh, you can find us pretty much everywhere. So connect with us online at the various different places that are, are a good fit for you. If you are new to the program, if you're new to the channel, welcome. We're glad you're here. Hopefully we've got some stuff that you think is of value and you subscribe and hit the thumbs up and share it with people. And we will do this again tomorrow. Live from the Bunker is up Monday through Open Line Friday on one at 1 p.m. Eastern. And then tomorrow, no, wait, tonight, tonight, I 
almost missed that. Tonight is the Ranker Pit talking about Star Wars. We got to go watch the uh, watch the latest episode of the Bad Batch. We'll talk about some rumors and such. I mentioned the H2O podcast. It's on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. It's a new time. This most recent episode, we talked about James Gunn's new plan for DC films. And then, of course, on Saturday, we've got Good Morning Multiverse at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central. So go check all of that out. And if you're so inclined, you want to join and become a member, you could do that on either YouTube or Odyssey. We've got memberships active on both places. And do join our Discord server. We want to have uh, further conversations here. It's pretty active. People are, people are talking back and forth. So, uh, so check that out. We talked about cough remedies the other day. There were some different recipes that were passed back and forth. So, so join us over there. All right. That's it for us today. Thanks very much for being here, folks. Remember... There are four lights. This has been a presentation of SciFiForMe.com. Copyright 2023 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 